love you guys. I just love to hang out, so I brought you to one of my favorite coffee shops. Let's go check it out. Hey, what can I get for you today? Uh, I just like a strawberry frappuccino. Sure. Three seventy-five. Let's see. One, two, three, four. Keep the change, man. Thanks. You get to meet so many new people in the coffee shop. I even made a friend today. Do you want to get up for just a second? So, red is my favorite color. I noticed your hair's red. Okay. Uh, your coffee looks pretty cold. Let me just uh, heat that up for you. It's impressive, right? You know what? I don't even want to talk to you anyway. Can't believe you asked me to sit down. And that's why I love hanging out in a coffee shop. love those. Those have been so much fun. Hey, good morning and welcome. I'm so glad you guys are here. Summer is on us and it is going to be a good day today as we finish up our series. If you are new, I really would love a chance to meet you or maybe if you brought somebody with you today after the service, come back to the next step room if I didn't get a chance to meet you already. And I just love to say hi to you. Uh, If you're brand new to church uh, and you don't know a whole lot about Jesus, that's okay. You're in a good place because we're all here today to just learn a little bit more about who he is. And I know many times when I talk, and especially with the subject I'm going to talk about today, there will be a lot of questions you have. And I welcome those questions. I like those questions. And if you have any, after the service, please come find me. I will be back in the next step room right by the main entrance. So if you have a Bible, let's, let's go to Matthew chapter 18, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible, we give them away for free. Next step room, right after the service. Come see us. We'll make sure you get one. Or if you have a mobile device, uh, just look up corechurch.com right now, and you can download a Bible there. I read out of what's called the New Living Translation. That's the NLT. So if you're on a mobile device, that's the one you can want to kind of follow along with. Matthew chapter 16, Matthew is the very first book in the New Testament. So this is a book that is written after Jesus comes to earth. Not before, that's the Old Testament, but the New Testament is when the, uh, who Jesus was, his life, and his purpose. And Matthew was one of his followers. He was recruited by Jesus as a tax collector, uh, gave his life to Christ, followed him his entire life all the way until he was martyred. And then he wrote this account of Jesus' life so that we would have it. And so I want us to read today out of uh, the 16th chapter. So stand with me and let's read this together. Matthew chapter 16 and beginning in verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, hey, who do people say the Son of Man is? He's talking about himself here. Well, they replied, some say uh, John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, Uh, or one of the other prophets. So they're naming off just a bunch of uh, the prophets that they know as as Jewish uh, men. These are prophets from the Old Testament. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter, which is one of the disciples, answered and said, well, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father 
in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Let's pray. So God, we approach your word with uh, reverence and, and just uh, holy fear in this moment that you would uh, speak to us. God, that you, uh, we would treat your word as it deserves with honor and, and respect. And thank you for guys like Matthew who decided to write all this down so we would, we would have the stories. Church, let's just pray for one another right now. You don't have to do that out loud, but if you're a follower of Jesus, would you just do that? Um, especially pray for those that are gathered here today that don't know Jesus um, as they, their questions would, would be answered and that um, confusion would be gone and, and we could all learn just a little bit more. And pray for me as, as your pastor that, that I'll be faithful to what God wants to say, that I'll be faithful to this scripture and speak what the Holy Spirit wants us to hear. And if you're ready uh, to hear from God's word as much as I'm ready to bring it, would you just give me a big amen? amen? All right, you may be seated. Well, today, I, I, I want to talk to you about a subject uh, that the church has really kind of ignored, especially in the last couple of decades. We don't talk a lot uh, about this subject. And the reason we don't talk about this subject is because it's not very popular. And it's, it, frankly, it's pretty controversial, and what I'm going to say today is, is going to make you a little uneasy, and, and it's going to raise questions, and so we just try not to talk about it, because it is controversial. In fact, it is now, within the last, I would say, just last couple of years, it is now starting to become labeled, even in some quarters, as hate speech. And what I'm about to talk about today is, is just hateful, and why the church shouldn't even be a nonprofit organization, why the church should be shut down in America because we are nothing but haters. What I want to talk to you about today for a few minutes is the subject of hell. We're finishing up our series called The Devil, Demons, and the Boogeyman, and it wouldn't be appropriate if I didn't talk about this controversial subject called hell. And hell, what's interesting, hell in our hell is really kind of lost its meaning in our society, has it not? I mean, it's just, it, it's just frankly, it's just become uh, just a, a slang term. It's just a, a word that is just kind of flippantly said. And in fact, in Oklahoma, it's not just a slang term, it's a part of our vocabulary. Like you can't go anywhere without somebody saying the word hell. Uh, it's, like, it's like a part of our language, part of our dialect, it's just, it's just kind of who we are. And we don't even say it right. Like hell, hell is, has one syllable. We give it to hell. No, it's not hell. It's hell. Oh, hell no. I mean, with no. What the hell? No, it's hell. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, it's just we, <laughs> how we are in Oklahoma. Now, I know when I say that, some of you are like, oh, my goodness. He just, he just said a swear word in church. He said that in church. I can't believe he just said that in church. He's, woo. It's hot in here. It's, it's hotter than hail in here right now. It's, uh, is he always like this? Is it, it's, it's interesting, though, how this, this, this word, hell, has just kind of been reduced to a slang term. And it it's just really doesn't mean a whole lot. When we hear people say hell, we don't really give it much thought. 
And it doesn't cause us to pause or cause us to squirm. We watch movies and they say hell and okay, and we listen to songs on the radio. If you're in Oklahoma, you're going to hear every other song because it's a country song and you can't have a country song without a truck and a girl and the word hell in it. And so, and that, that's how you get a number, by the way, that's the recipe for a number one song right there. I might get a truck in the song and get a girl in the song and we're going to say hell somewhere in there and boom, we're going to number one, baby. But that's Oklahoma, right? So, so we, we hear that, though, and, and, and it doesn't really, if we're honest, it do, doesn't really, really bother us that, that much to hear that, that word. It's just so commonplace. But, but what I wonder, and I want to talk to those of you who are, who are followers of Jesus today, what I, what I wonder is when we hear this, this, this word hell, and, and in the context of people going there, shouldn't that bother us? Like, like, shouldn't that cause us to pause, maybe make us squirm a little bit? Like, like people are facing an eternity without God. For those of us who follow Jesus, myself included, that should cause me to pause. It should cause me to squirm a little bit. It should make me a little bit uneasy. But for some reason, it doesn't. And I, I think one of the reasons it doesn't is because we just don't like to talk about it anymore because it's not a popular subject and it's controversial. And it sounds like when we talk about hell that we're just a bunch of haters. And if we're all really, really honest, we don't understand a lot about hell and why people go there. So I want to spend a few minutes talking about hell and helping us as followers of Jesus and those of you today who are here that are not a follower of Jesus to get a a better understanding. Because if you are here today and you are not a follower of Jesus and your friend brought you to church and you're like, I knew it, I knew it, this is exactly, I knew it. A bunch of Christians are going to say, oh, you're just going to burn in hell. I knew, I knew that's coming. What I want to do for you today, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you have heard so many things about who we are as followers of Jesus and what we think about hell and who goes there and why they go there. And we're just a bunch of haters. And this is it. Man, we just judgmental on and on, a bunch of angry people. You came on the right day. Because really, if you want an answer and you want to know how somebody feels, shouldn't you go to that person and talk directly to them? And so that's what I want to do today. I want to, if I can, have your permission, as those of you who are followers of Jesus, have your permission for a few minutes to talk on our behalf of what we think about it and what it is and and who goes there. Jesus himself talked about hell telling us it's a very real place, and people do go there. Let's look again at Matthew chapter 16. Look at verse 18, where Jesus makes a reference to it. He says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all of the what? Let's say this together, church. All the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now, this is not the only time that Jesus talked about hell. In fact, Matthew 
who followed Jesus, he wrote down the different times and different accounts of when Jesus talked about hell. And so if you were to scroll back a few chapters and you, you were to go to Matthew chapter 7, you would see that Jesus talks about a highway to hell. That there are no stop signs, there are no speed limits, and all your friends are going to be there too. Wait, that's ACDC. I'm sorry, that's, uh... <laughs> you all were like, some of you are like, I've heard that song. Is that really scripture? I didn't know. All my friends are gone. I'll be there too. Yeah, right. Yeah, now there's a big lawsuit right now. Jesus is in litigation against them, and it's, uh, I think he'll win it, but um... no, <laughs> Moving on. So uh, chapter 8, come on, people, loosen up a little bit. Chapter 8, Jesus in chapter 8 talks about hell being this place of of darkness, of eternal darkness. And then in chapter 13, we all, um, I think almost every one of us have heard this theology of hell as being a place of eternal fire and torment. And Jesus talks about fire. And, And this is where if you grew up in the church and I grew up in the church, that's all I ever heard about hell is that it's hot in hell and you don't want to go to hell and the fires of hell are going to get you. Your skin is going to stay on. You're just going to burn and smolder forever. And I mean, as a kid, it freaked me out. I was like, I do want to go there. You mean I'm going to be on fire and never die? That sounds horrible. Sounds mean, sounds awful. And, and yet, here it is in Scripture. You can look it up later in chapter 13. He talks about the fires of hell. Now, is, that, is Jesus saying that there's a literal fire or is he just using figurative language to express the torment and the struggle of what hell is going to be? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. All I know is is that what hell is, is hell is to be eternally separated from God. Hell is where there is no God. And to me, that sounds like a very dark place. To me, that sounds like a place of, of torment where I'm away from God and I have no God. Now, the number one question that we all ask, and that you've been asked if you're a follower of Jesus, is this question right here. Why, why would a loving God send people to hell? It's a great question. And I think it's a question we shouldn't run from as followers of Jesus. I think it's one that we have to have an understanding on. Why would a loving God send people to hell? What we have to understand is this, in Matthew chapter 25, if you scrolled forward a few chapters, you would see in Matthew 25 is that hell was created for the devil and his, and his demons, the fallen angels. That's why hell was created in the first place. It's not for people. Like, we're children of God. Hell is not for us. It's not for you. It's not for me. It's not God's will It's not his plan, and it's not his desire that you go to hell. That's not who our God is. In fact, if you looked at John's gospel, and John was a follower of Jesus, one of his disciples, and he wrote about the account of Jesus' life. And in John chapter 14, he tells us this, that Jesus said that heaven is our home, not hell, Hell created for the devil and his demons. And in John 14, Jesus says, no, heaven is not for him. Heaven is for you. 
and you 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 and me. Heaven is for me. In fact, he says, right now, I'm in heaven and I am preparing a place for you to come. He wants you there. So I'd like for you to write this down because this is what I want to kind of hit on for a few minutes and I think is so important for us to understand how God feels about hell and the teachings of hell. And this is it. God doesn't send people to hell. God doesn't send people to hell. Let's say that together. God doesn't send people to hell. One more time, let's say it with enthusiasm. God doesn't send people to hell. Turn the person next to you and say, God doesn't want to send you to hell. God doesn't, this is, you got to lean in on this one if you're a follower of Jesus. God doesn't send people to hell. He saves them from hell. Oh, I'm going to say that again, and the church is going to give me an amen, or I'm going to walk right out them doors. I, I, when I wrote this down, I was like, oh, right there, just pause. I wrote pause right here, pause, because they're just going to be, they're, gonna, they're just going to go nuts. They're just going to be like, yes, Lord, hallelujah. So let me try that again. God doesn't send people to hell. God saves people from hell. Amen. Now, some translations for the word hell use this word Hades. So if you looked at some of the other translations, you would see this this word Hades. And the word Hades means place of the dead, place of the dead. The Apostle Paul, who wrote a lot of our New Testament, he was a pastor and a preacher, and he started a bunch of churches, and he started one in this place called Ephesus, and he wrote a letter to the church there. And, And he talked about how we are all spiritually dead. We are all spiritually dead. In in other words, we are all ready experiencing hell because of our sin. Let's look at it. Ephesians 2, 4. We'll put it on the screen for you. But God, this is the Apostle Paul talking, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much. In, In other words, get this, he's a loving God. Like he cares about you. He's passionate about you. He he created you. He wants He wants good for you, not bad. That even though we were, and let's say this together, dead because of our sins, he gave us what? He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. In other words, we are are all going to experience a physical death. All of us, we're all gonna, we're all gonna die. I turn to somebody and say, You're gonna die. Yeah, everybody's gonna die. Okay? But eternity, listen, eternity doesn't begin when you die. Okay? The Apostle Paul, right here, is what he's trying to get said here is we're already living eternally. Your body will die a physical death, but your soul is alive now in this life and will be alive in the afterlife. So what that means is you are either spiritually alive or you are right now spiritually dead. And if you're in spiritual death, that means that you're already experiencing hell. There is a hell here and there is a hell to come. That's what the Apostle Paul is trying to get said here. The problem is, is we, we think we're here. 
I'm a good person. And God sends me there where the bad people go. That's not true. That's jacked up. That's messed up. We're already there. We are fallen. We are broken. We are not good. We are born into sin. We are born into death. We are already born dead in our sin. And what God does is God comes, he grabs a hold of you, he rescues you, and he saves you and brings you into life eternally. Amen? That's the philosophy and the truth of hell. God doesn't send people to hell. God saves people from hell. Uh, if, uh, about a month ago, when Laura was in the hospital and having her surgery, uh, my daughter, uh, Skye, wanted to come up and, and see her. And she's 17, and she's wanted to come up with a friend. So her and her friend were going to come up to the hospital to see their mom. And so uh, she's texting me, and she said, hey, where's mom at? And I, I text her, we're at St. John's and downtown Tulsa, and text her this big, long directions because it's just jacked up all down there. Got all this construction going on. I was like, here's how you get down there. Blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, she's like, okay, I'll see you in about 30 minutes. So... About 30 minutes goes by, and, and I get this text, hey, Dad, we're here, uh, but, man, Dad, there's this, there, where do we go in? And I'm like, uh, well, I totally get that, because that hospital, there's all kinds of different entrances. Tell me where you're at. We're at the Circle Drive. Okay, I'm going to come downstairs. I'll just meet you at the Circle Drive. So I go down. I go to the Circle Drive, and I look around. There's, there's no sky. There's no friend. So I call her on the phone. I'm like, hey, where are you? Well, we're at Circle Drive. No, I'm at the Circle Drive. You're not here. No, Dad, we're at the Circle Drive. So we begin to have this conversation. It's a beautiful conversation that a father and his teenage daughter have. Um, those of you that don't have teenagers, it goes something like this. Look, I'm at the Circle You don't know, Dad. I am at the Circle Drive. Oh, no, you are not at the Circle Drive because I am standing at the Circle Drive and you're not here. Okay, if you don't have a teenager, you just don't get any bit of that, but someday you'll have one and you'll, you'll understand. We did that in love, you know, because we love each other. And so we have this conversation. I said, okay, all right. I'm going to go back up to the seventh floor and I will meet you on the seventh floor. And she's like, great idea. So they park and I go up to the seventh floor and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And I'm like, hey. And I call her and I'm like, hey, I, I'm here. I'm at the elevator on the seventh floor. She goes, well, we got off on the seventh floor and you weren't there. And so now we're walking around and we're completely lost. And I'm like, well, hey, just start, describe to me where you are and I'll come to you. Okay, it says something about green elevators and there's an orange sign and a yellow sign. And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Which saint are you at? Because I'm at St. John. Oh, they're into the phone. Oh. <laughs> we'll see, see you in a little bit, Dad. <laughs> Wrong hospital. This is the truth, though, about people. People are spiritually lost. And they don't even know it. They're lost, and they don't even know it. They're, they're in this life of sin and, and brokenness and separation from God, and they don't know what the heck is going on in their life. They, they are in a place of hopelessness and despair and emptiness and void, and nothing is quite working 
in sync, and they don't know why. And the only way they're going to know is if we go to them and if we help them. This is why Jesus set up the local church. This is why we exist. Is because people need someone to show them the way. This is why in this passage of Scripture, Jesus, he points at Peter and he says, you're the rock, and on you, dude, I'm going to start my church. Now, there's a lot of different teachings and different thoughts on this passage of Scripture of exactly what did Jesus mean and what was he talking about. But, but I believe at least one of the things that he was trying to get said here is he's looking at Peter and he says, dude, I'm going to start my church on you. And we see this happen because Peter on the day of Pentecost, what does he do? He steps out, he preaches the first sermon, he steps out in, in front, he leads the church, and thousands come into the church on that very first church service. But, but, when, but when Jesus pointed to Peter, I, I don't think he was just talking about Peter. I don't think he was just trying to point Peter out and, and lift Peter up. I, I think what he was saying in this context is, I'm, I'm going to build my church on people like Peter. I'm going to build my church on people like you, Peter. Because if you, if you look at Peter, Peter is this ordinary, untrained, blue-collar, Peter cussed like a sailor. I mean, he was just, I mean, he's like, I can just see Peter being like, me? You can, me? I mean, I can see the disciples in this moment going, him? Oh, hell no. I mean, I can just see them in that moment looking at Peter and go, you going to pick Peter? Jesus is like, yeah. I'm going to use flawed people. Flawed but forgiven people. You know, you know what Jesus is trying to say, I think, in that moment? Is what I want is people who are passionate about me. Like what I, I love about those of you who are core partners and the ones we had up here this morning and our advisory board members, flawed people but forgiven people. People that are passionate about Jesus that say, I, 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 don't even, I don't even deserve to stand on this stage. This is awkward for me to stand up on this stage. Who am I to lead anybody? Did you not see that in them? Because I saw it in them. I see it every time people come up on the stage as a core partner and we introduce them. It's awkward. They don't want to come up here. It's why, that's why half of our advisory board members didn't even come up here because it's just awkward. Many times when we invite partners to come up on the stage, people literally sit in their seats. They don't get out of their seats and they don't come up on the stage because like, I don't want to get up on that stage. I want people looking at me. Because it's, it's hard because then all of a sudden you're faced with this reality like people are looking to me to lead. Who am I? You're Peter. You're Peter. You're flawed, but you're forgiven. And you have a passion for Jesus, and he wants to use you. That's who Jesus uses. It's how he builds his church. He, he raises us up out of death into life, and then he sends us out to rescue men and women who are trapped in hell. Back in verse 18, the second part of verse 18, he says this, I, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I've thought a lot about this particular part of the passage this week because as a pastor, I, I read a lot of blogs and, and I read a lot of different books and 
and, and, I, and over and over again, I, I've heard um, the so-called experts saying that, oh, the church in North America is dying. And, and then I, I've heard this one, the church in Europe is dying and the, the light is about to go out and the light is going to go out in, in Europe and the light is going to go out in North America. And, and I've kind of bought into that. Man, whew, man, there's ain't going to be no more Jesus in Europe. Ain't going to be no more Jesus in, in, in America because the church is dying. Listen, when, when I read this passage of Scripture, I have to say, Jesus said, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And, and when I look throughout church history, the church has been stood the test of time for 2,000 years. The church ain't dying. It will not die. It cannot die. Jesus will not let it die. Oh, it might fade a little bit, but it will not die. You know how I know that? Because this same Jesus here in Scripture 2,000 years ago, he got knocked down, but on the third day, he got back up again. That's the church. That's who we are. The church over the last 2,000 years, yes, has gotten knocked down. But the church will get up again. Why? Because the powers of hell can't stand against the powers of the church because it's his church. It's Jesus' church, not our church. And as long as he is in charge, as long as we look to him, as long as he is the focal point of our worship, the light will never die. But there's also a danger. There's a danger because many times in America, we've made the church about me. God forgive us for that because it ain't about you and it ain't about me. It ain't about you coming here and getting the right kind of coffee and that it's hot enough and the line is too long and kids registration and I just don't know. Oh, I, I'll tell you what, get here at 1025. There ain't nobody in that line of kids registration at 1025. <laughs> You're free. You go right on back. It's an express lane at 1025. They ain't singing my song. It's too loud. It's not loud enough. Preacher preaches too long. Doesn't preach long enough. He said, hey, y'all, this morning, I ain't coming back. And on and on and on. All these reasons. Me, 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 me. When we make the church about us, like it's got to be, we got to be the best church in town, we, the light will go out. Because it won't be about Jesus. I can tell you when we show up here and what core church is about, and as long as I stand on this stage and I'm the pastor, it will always be about Jesus and not about me, not about a band, not about you. What I'm interested in is the glorification of Jesus, that we remember he's the one who took us from death to life, from Hades to heaven. This is our God. This is who we follow. This is what the church has got to be about. It belongs to him. I, I like what the King James Version, I don't read King James very often, but I, I grew up on King James. And King James, if you grew up in the church, you, you know how this goes in verse 18. We'll put it on the screen here so you can see it. King James Version says this, the what? The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I like that picture. The reason I like that picture is because people are trapped in their sin. Church, can you get a picture of that? 
your friends, my friends, my neighbors out mowing their lawn yesterday and having garage sales and living life, good people, good people, good people who think they're here and that God's going to send them there. They're already there. And I want them to know that Jesus wants to reach out and grab a hold of them and bring them from death to life. And I want you to get an image of that in the back of your mind today. And I hope that you never lose it is people just grabbing onto the bars of hell and staring out at you and staring out at me and saying, help me. I don't know what the heck's going on with my life. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm chasing this, I'm chasing that. It feels good for a moment, then it just fades. And I go to bed, nobody knows how frustrated and hopeless and lonely and discouraged and in despair I am. And nobody knows how much I don't like myself. And they're trapped behind these gates. And you and I are gate crashers. That's who we are. We are called as the church to crash the gates of hell. But we don't crash the gates with hate speech. We don't crash the gates in anger. We don't crash the gates mean-spirited or judgmental. No, 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 no. We crash those gates in love. Crash those gates by doing good. At Core Church, we talk about this idea of how do we reach people that are far from God, and we talk about these three words, intercede, invest, invite. Intercede, pray for people that are far from God. Invest, do good to people that are far from God. Invite, invite people to church who are far from God. That's what the Friends of Freedom Day is is about. But today, I want us to focus on that that word invest, do good. What if we crashed our neighborhood this week and we did good? What if you crashed your workplace this week? I'm gonna do good. What if you went out on your kid's ball field and crashed those gates? Did good. I think that's a picture of what Jesus wants to do because that's who Jesus was. He just went about doing good. If you came in today in your program, if you would get that out, there is something we're calling the the Do Good Challenge. If you didn't get a program, raise your hand. We'll get you one right now. So raise your hand. We want to get you one of those. But what we're going to do is we're going to do this Do Good Challenge over the next seven days. And I want to challenge you to go out, crash the gates of hell by doing good. Now, what does that mean to do good? Well, on here are just some examples of ways that you can do good. Give food to a stranger, return a loose shopping cart, uh, allow someone to go in front of you in line, give a ride to someone who can't drive, send someone an encouraging email or text, make a donation to a nonprofit, give someone a big tip, say hi to everyone you make eye contact with. That could be kind of creepy, so be careful about that one there. Hi, 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 hi. That might be a bad idea. Do good. So what I want us to do this week is, my challenge to you is this. I want you to take this card Every morning, I want to challenge you to pray the prayer that's on the other side. And I want you to turn it over to the prayer. We're going to say this prayer. It's a prayer we say every Sunday when we end our service, and we'll do that again today, but I want us to make it our prayer today. And you're going to, every morning, just pray this prayer, and then go out and do good. And then when you come to the end of your day, pull the card back out. 
If you did good, just, just check some of those. Oh, I did this, man. I did that. I did this. Or maybe you did something that aren't even on the card. Write those down and see what God does in your life over the next seven days. Because here's what the devil wants to make you think. You can't be a gate crasher. Who you think you are? Stand up against me? Reach your friends? No, you ain't going to be able to do that. But this is your way of standing up every day and looking at that and go, I crashed the gates of hell. The gates of hell will not prevail against me or the church. So I want us to say this prayer together. Let's, let's just say this together. Look at your card here. God, I commit this week to reaching people far from you. I ask your Holy Spirit to lead me to the hurting, the hopeless, the lonely, and the discouraged. Fill me with love. And give me boldness to share the hope of Jesus with those who do not know you. This week, I declare that I am available and willing to be used for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's bow our heads and let's just talk to God for just a moment, if you would. I'd like for you just to take a moment. What's God saying to you today? What's your next step? Jesus, maybe you need God to rekindle in you through the power of his Holy Spirit this idea of, man, God, why am I not bothered by this? Why does this not upset me? Why does this not consume me? How, how do I get there, Brad? How do I get there? I want, I want to have that in my life. Here's how you get there. Fully surrender everything right now to the Holy Spirit. Make me more like you, Jesus. Because the more you become like him, the more your heart will beat for those who are far from him. So today, maybe that's the cry of your heart. You're a follower of Jesus and you see you've identified there. Maybe there's an area of your life you need to surrender to him. Or you just say, man, I, I'm ready. I just need to surrender everything to him, his cause. I want to be counted with the local church. I, I want to crash the gates of hell. And today, I want to fully surrender my life to him. If that's the prayer of your heart, would you just lift your hand so I can see it? Lift your hand up all, yeah, on the sides, in the middle, in the back. I see you over here on the side, up near the front. See you there in the back middle, all the way in the back, here in the middle. Anybody else? Put your hands down. God, for those who have raised their hands in this moment, whatever it is they need to surrender, I pray in this moment they know I can surrender it all to Jesus. God, your Holy Spirit may consume them in such a way that they, they have a passion like Peter. They recognize and say, I might be fallen, but I am forgiven, and I want to be passionate for Jesus. And I pray your Holy Spirit would just consume them with your fire. Consume them with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Keep your heads bowed. Today, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you into a relationship with him. You can go from death to life today. You can go from Hades to heaven today. You can know eternally where you stand with God now and where you're going to spend eternity. And it's all about not having a degree or knowing everything there is to know. It's just simply knowing this. I get it. I believe God sent his son Jesus. I believe that he He was God in flesh. I, this idea of him dying on the cross and being risen again on the third day and dying for my sins. I don't get all that, preacher, but, but I, I believe it. 
and I want him to forgive me of all the junk in my life. I don't want to be lonely anymore. I don't want to be discouraged. I don't want despair. I don't want hopelessness. I, want, I need Jesus. And today he invites you into that relationship by simply saying, I'm going to turn from my sin, and I'm going to place my faith in him, and I'm going to begin this journey of following him. I'd like to know who you are today. If that's you, I won't embarrass you. I won't make you come up here, sign anything. I, I just would like for you to just raise your hand so I can pray with you today or pray for you today. If you're making a commitment today to follow Jesus or you've been away from him for a very long time and you want to come back to him today, would you just slip up your hand so I can see who you are? Today, man, I want to go from death to life. I want to come back to Jesus. I see over here on the sides. I see you guys right in the middle. I see you. Thank you so much. You can put your hands down. Anybody else say, man, I need to go from death to life. I need to come back home to Jesus. I've been away from him for a long time. Or maybe today you're saying, I've never been a follower of Jesus. But man, I want that. It's good. Anybody else? I don't want to leave anybody out. Opportunity for you today to experience the love of Christ. God, thank you so much for those who are placing their faith in you right now. For those who've been away from you for a long time and they're coming back, I, I pray that you just meet them right there. You'd say, you're my child. I love you. I forgive you. And you come into their life and they would sense you, God, with them. They would sense this idea of new life. For those, God, who are placing their faith in you for the very first time, meet them, God, right where they're at and just look at them, God, and just say, yeah, I know you don't understand everything about me, but you're my kid, and I love you, and I do forgive you. We're going to start this journey together, and I'm going to take you from death to life, from Hades to heaven, from hopelessness to hope, from unloved to loved, from left out and forgotten to a chosen child of God. That's who you are now. That's who you are. Now come and follow me. God, thank you so much your forgiveness. Thank you for your hope. Thank you for the gift of heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.